0: Some text messages I have before me. (laughs) Oh, this one's pretty hectic. Have you ever considered the connection between the Olympics, the New World Order, and the last days? Oh. Well, you know, I would say this, because the idea with the New World Order is that, you know, it's like a one-world unified government that controls everything. And I guess the insinuation with that would be would the the Olympics, the Olympics, because it's a unifying event. It brings it well together and...
1: Growing up as a kid, it was always great to see the world together because there's so much wars and rumors of wars and strife, and I was just loving that the world could come together around something like
0: this. But I think think this is a thing like we're coming together in the name of sports competition, which is probably an idol, but yeah, (laughs) admittedly, like yes, can can function that way. But at the same time, like it's not the world coming together politically. It's not no. the world coming together Religi- religiously religiously, which is you know they are the telltale signs of the last age. I just haven't seen and it's not like that this isn't happening in other places you know you see like in, in Hollywood and all this stuff like political there is that unity there, but then yep. there's a- that added sense of political activism not only in Hollywood but in all different kinds of industries and and things but in the Olympics, I haven't seen that political or religious advocacy yet. That no. necessarily would, for me, qualify it as some kind of new world order unity. Like, it really just seems like they're getting together and planning. And stores. who knows what sort of vehicles will be used to bring that in at the end. It could well be, but not be right now. But right now, like, you know, we can just look at the science that the Bible gives and just observe and see what's going on. And it's like, hey, you know, we're not, like, we're not seeing that. Uh, another text message here. What's the use of vaccines when fully vaccinated people get the virus? Anyway, this... Uh, this reports are coming out throughout the world. Are they not supposed to stop us from getting the virus? No,
1: short answer. Short answer for that one. Mm-hmm. You're protecting your friends and family from getting it as well because you don't carry as high a load when you mm. when you get the vaccine mm-hmm. and you don't get as sick and you're less likely to pass it on to your friends and family. And, and this Delta strain at the moment says that once you get it, everyone in your family gets it. Um, so... I and mean, that's my short answer: is that it it doesn't it doesn't stop you getting the disease, but it, you don't get a severe disease, and you protect your friends and family from getting the disease.
0: Yeah, and that's the main point. It's like ultimately, we would like to look forward to a world where people vaccinate because of the vaccination, or maybe not because of the vaccination. Depending on your opinion, like if they are going to roll out a vaccination, let's let's think about this scenario: if they're going to yep. roll out a vaccination and it is everything that it claims to be, um, then we should be able to look forward to a world where, you know, the vaccine would enable us to go on living life in spite of COVID, COVID's existence. Yep. You know, um, but yeah, it seems as though that's that's not that's not what's going, that's not what's going on here. And this is actually kind of and what you've just said now, something I said last week. We were talking about, you know. Um, the fact that people are getting the vaccine but then still getting the virus and pe- places, some places like Australia are still being locked down where there yeah. is other places have kind of accepted the fact that the vaccine is a solution and they're opening back up. And I made the remark like, oh, well, then what's the point of, you know, lockdown if you got the vaccine? And then what's the point of getting the vaccine if you're just going to have a lockdown anyway? And But it seems as though from what we're seeing, oh, man, we're not seeing solutions to this. There's no real big solution here. Yeah. It's a pandemic. and Yeah. Um, we're scrambling to try and
1: find answers to protect people from mm-hmm. dying. That's the big thing: is the government doesn't want yeah. many people to die. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, because and, and, we talk about statistics, right? When it comes to this stuff, yeah. and, and to, to to try and justify every side of the argument, it's like, oh, zero po- point, you know, point zero one percent of people, or whatever, whatever the number is, die from COVID. Yeah. Um, but you know, that represents a group of human lives, like. You know. That's your grandma, that's your grandpa, that's, yeah, like, that's your mum or dad. Yeah. These, so if we can do our best not to then just be reckless but stop it, the, you know, the counter-argument to that is like, oh, yeah, well, then within reason, you've got to weigh up the costs, the benefits and
1: yeah.
0: and everything. And... and,
1: and I mean, we live in a world of free choice, and I'm not here to force anyone to get vaccinated. Oh, 100%. But what I'm saying is for me... I want to protect my community as much as I can. Um We're called in the Bible to protect the vulnerable and defend those who are vulnerable. And so that's my philosophy is I want to do what I can,
0: not only to protect myself, but to protect my family yeah. and my friends and those I love. But that's the thing. In the name of freedom, you are well within your right to not get the vaccine. That's right. I, I believe you know. So uh, we uh, read yesterday uh, a similar text message that was saying that. Oh, some preachers are saying it's a sin not to get the vaccine. <laughs> That's it's going just, over just the, the top. most ridiculous Bless thing ever. Me. Um, like so, I cu- I couldn't even say that it's your Christian liberty to not get the vaccine because it doesn't even fall under that cavity ca- uh, category of oh, is it a sin or not? No, it's definitely like. You're not going to find anywhere in the Ten Commandments. You're not going to find anywhere in the in the health laws and the ceremonial law. In, There's in nothing AD in the Bible where it talks about you know getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine. So so in that case, this is you're well within your right. But you know whether you get like if you get it or you don't get it, you know you kind of have to live with the then yep. the circumstances of. Free choice. We live with the consequences of our choice. 100%. So, yeah, interesting text messages there. We're going to continue on with the show. Good stuff. Um, we're going to jump back into Matthew... Uh, chapter 11, as we were reading yesterday, we were reading it all about Jesus and this statement that he makes um, in relationship to our Bible study, which is all on the idea of rest uh, this quarter in our 20 million movement, 20 million people studying the Bible right across the world. It's on the idea of rest, and we're taking specific focus at this statement that Jesus made um, in Matthew chapter 11, which is as we were intro- introducing yesterday, probably one of the most famous Bible verses out there, one of the most claimed promises. Like, it is an incredible piece of scripture. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So yeah, let's
1: just, it's in the top 10 of Jesus' promises, this one. In North yeah,
0: 100%. Um, oh, I could, you know what? I'm gonna look this up right now. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I could be proven wrong. Top ten promises of top Jesus.
1: Ten Morrison's Bible verses. It. it has to be. If yeah, it's
0: not, I don't know. Top ten Bible verses. Oh, oh! I've got to be there. I'm I'm, I'm. I'm looking. Okay. top, or top ten promises. So, what? No. Come on. That's not is there. This isn't legit. Who who wrote, who wrote it's, it's this? Google, Evelyn. Who, who wrote this? Someone said yeah. Romans twelve two is the most famous Bible verse.
1: Get is that it. One John, John 3, 16, for crying 16. out loud. Are it's held kidding? up in every sports game Are and you everywhere else. Are me? <laughs> oh, that's... Get okay. Google. If you're sick, you never Google because you're going to be dying. I mean... Oh,
0: man. You know what? I am so disappointed. Well... Our court of public opinion here at Faith FM, and I'm sure the listeners would agree. We are agree. putting it. We are putting it in the top ten. We this are. Is an Lawson incredible... and Darren
1: have put it in the top ten <laughs> promises of Jesus. If you, you go wrong, you let us know, but we think it's a pretty yeah, good promise.
0: This is, this is where it's at. <laughs> Let's read it. Uh, read for us, Darren, 28 to 30. Yes, it says, Then
1: Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. How much we need that right now in the mm. pandemic. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear,
0: and the burden I give you is light. Mm, So the first thing that we we noted yesterday in the kind of conclusion as a Bible study is that we saw that that Jesus was an incredibly contentious person. Even within the chapter that he goes on to say this, he's like calling people out, calling out the sins of the world, you know, telling and how it is, saying, like, the world is so difficult, you know, woe to, what does he say, Chorazin, woe he to Bethsaida. He goes Beth for a there in
1: verse, where was it, back up there in verse 20? 20. 20, 20, 21. Yeah, he, has, he, really, he really um lays it down and says, you're worse than Sodom and Gomorrah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and not only does he say contentious things, but through his action he uh, constantly, constantly attracts contention. Yeah, um, which you know, fair enough. He's doing things that, like, literally, the people are calling him out. They're saying, "Oh, you're blaspheming." He's
1: how can you forgive sins? And oh, I can't just forgive sins. I can do that, but I can also heal people, heal
0: people. And, he, and then he, you know, he walks the talk and everything. And he's this incredibly contentious individual. Um, and then he follows all those up by saying, "Oh, come to me, everyone who is weary, who has heavy burdens, who is heavy laden, and I will give you rest." You know, and you read this verse, and it's like, oh man, how does that make sense that And since I am meek and
1: lowly in heart, I'm thinking, hang on, Jesus, you are meek and lowly in heart, but you've just
0: called out these people. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, well, and I think ultimately, like, we made a small application yesterday from this from this first verse from First Twenty Eight, where we said that Jesus is there for us to come to. not to take away our burdens, but almost in spite of our burdens to help us with our burdens, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that we will forever face challenges in the world. And we talk about every, you know, every single day we talk about stories of religious persecution and it's not only religious, just troubles with life you know i think about people who go through bankruptcy that's something that my family went through um in 2015 2016 went through bankruptcy um and and i'll admit like i had a very privileged upbringing and then we go through this situation of bankruptcy when i'm like 17 and we lose everything we lose our house like that was pretty pretty hugely burdensome Mm. situation like, you know, it's so stressful and there's so much anxiety about the future and everything, and, and I praise the Lord that my family has come out of that for the most part, you know. Um, but, like, again, he, these burdens that we face in the world, not only in the religious se- sense, but in in every sense, you know, disease, money, like whatever it may be, um, Jesus helps us through that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and so on that topic, Lawson, have you ever seen a yoke?
0: Yes, because this is what we're going to get to in our Bible study. Is verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What's a yoke? A yoke, well, um, so I'm a vegan. Not an egg, so egg I, I, so, I don't, so I don't see these very often. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm
1: a, I show show poultry, so I see these all the time. Oh, should, okay. I'm shining
0: torches through to
1: see if my chickens are growing, which I did last night. I've got chickens in the incubator oh, or eggs wow. in the incubator. right That's now. Awesome. Last night I shone the torch through the, and I see the yoke and you see a little germ spot growing. You say, yes. My eggs are fertile. Oh, not my eggs, but the chook eggs the ch- are fertile. The, ch- the chook <laughs>
0: eggs are fertile. Yes,
1: and they're growing, and hopefully in another 20 days' time, I will have chickens on the ground.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, for those who are biblically literate, um, they're it's probably going gonna to be thinking, okay, what are you guys talking about? Because it's not an egg yolk. Um, yolk, so this was essentially like a... One of the, one of the early, um, agriculture devices, essentially. Yes. One of the probably innovative devices to get more horsepower or, or
1: cow power. Yeah, mate,
0: (laughs) you didn't need a turbo back then. You just needed a piece of wood and that piece of wood was called a yoke. And essentially how it functioned. Now, I'm not the biggest farmer. Maybe, maybe you should talk about this. I'm not, I'm not a farm boy. I like grew up like. (laughs) In the city. <laughs> oh, I grew so, up on a farm in Mordura, Victoria. Oh, but, wow. But that was citrus and
1: olives and okay. et, cetera, et cetera, But Not animals. But we they had cows, but they didn't – by then the ploughs were actually old yeah. Massey Fergus and tractors, the good old yeah. Massey's. But but um, the yoke idea definitely was something that um, I saw yolks sitting on the farm mm. um, that had been used in years gone by. Mm. So the idea is it, it goes around the neck of an animal, but there's another one beside it that goes around the neck, so it keeps them lined up side by side so that they carry the burden of whatever they're pulling together, united, mm. with a stronger pull.
0: Yeah, wow. So it's essentially like easing, easing the weight, you know, from one. I can imagine like, yeah, this, this would have dramatically sped up, you know, and helped. I can, I can imagine like if you're you just like a, a poor farmer and you have one cow, the yeah, pulls a plow.
1: We're taking it you all day, probably, and the poor cow got worn out, around and round and around the. Yeah, pack.
0: right. Because eventually, you know, you can't just chuck more fuel in it and keep it going. Like you got to think about the, the the condition of the cow, pretty much. Because stop and rest the cow, give it some food, yeah.
1: and um, let it let it graze for a while, then
0: have, have another go. Yeah, but if you you would be able to alleviate that stress if you just get another cow beside it, chuck the yoke on, get and the, and together. you get you get a lot more done
1: than what you get with one cow or what you get with one two cows um, separate two cows together wow. you get a lot more work done because they're pulling together and they can both go for longer oh, and really and and faster thought. and get more of the plowing done
0: oh so it's oh that's a really good thought so it's not like yeah you you're not, you're not you can't spread the load out essentially. No, yeah. Like those two cows together are so effective. It's
1: more efficient. And and yeah, because they're pulling exactly the
0: same um, time mm. um, in sync, you, you, you can go a lot further. Now, Jesus is saying here take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and, will fi- and you will find rest for yourself. So what soul. is
1: Jesus' yoke?
0: Mm, so, like, essentially, I just want to visualize this illustration that he's giving. You know, it's it's if the cow, you know, if you have one cow and it's connected to another cow through a yoke and it makes the burden easier. Essentially, Jesus is saying by taking on His yoke, which is a symbol of something, <sighs> that the burden of which was previously mentioned in the previous verse that we can come to Jesus with yep. will become lighter. Just as the cow, you know, its its burden is lightened by the fact that there's another cow there helping it. But it's not the
1: cow beside you. It's Jesus. Yes. So he's in the yoke alongside you. Uh-huh. And so when you think about that, he says, take my burdens. He, he's not going to take it away, but he's going to be there to help us through whatever mm. we're going through.
0: Interesting. He also says, learn from me here. Just so take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. You know. Well, uh, well, see what
1: happens is if you put a younger cow and an older cow together um, in that yoke, it's the older cow saying you've got to pull with me, and, and mm. this is what we how we do it, and, and it takes a little bit of learn to get it into sync. Cow apprenticeship. Cow apprenticeship almost. So you put a younger cow in with the older cow, and, and it passes on what it means to pull the yoke together and how to do mm. that. And
0: now it's like obviously like Jesus. Wants to help us with our burdens that we read from this verse. He's but, saying,
1: "Come." It's it's his command to come. Mm, um,
0: yeah. But as I read, come take, um, learn. As I read, like and learn from from me, I like as soon as I see Jesus saying that word, learn from me. I just my my mind starts racing with um visions and implications um of what he would say later in the Great Commission. That's yeah. where my mind goes when Jesus starts saying, learn from me, because it seems as though there's a discipleship element to this, that, you know, there's, there's something more than just coming and Jesus taking all your problems, but no, Jesus is, you know, I can imagine just as those cows, right? You, you have a young cow with an older cow, they're pulling the yoke and that younger cow will eventually like, it'll grow up and it gets stronger and it'll become its own older cow. Yep, be able to pull a yoke with another cow. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> that's that's a really good point. Discipleship coming right there. Jesus said, Come follow me in the in the Bible, I'll make you fishers of men.
0: You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Alright, let's get it back into our Bible study. We're talking about the yoke. Not yes. the, uh, not and the, by the way, those text messages came in oh, correcting yeah, they our limited
1: <laughs> agricultural
0: knowledge. <Yeah. laughs> Shout out Gary. He said, "Hi guys, not cows, but bullocks. God bless." Yeah. Wow, so nice. It's such a nice way to just completely show us off. And no, nah, no, nah, it's good stuff. Oh yeah, obviously, yeah, we're not talking about like yeah, uh, moo cows. Usually, they'd that, be used for dairy and whatnot. But yeah, it'd be an ox or a bullock. yeah, a huge oxen or bullock in the in biblical times, and, mm. and indeed
1: in early Australian times. Yeah. So. So, yeah, um, Gary's right. Um, we're wrong. Um, I guess it comes from the same sort of genre of animal, but it's definitely yeah. an
0: oxen yeah. or a bullock. We're, we're using cow uh, colloquially. colloquially. Sim, yeah, yeah Cows in
1: simplicity, y- cow y- simplistic
0: y- language. <laughs> but they're a big, you know strong beast. <laughs> hey, <boy. laughs> All right, so we've seen so far Jesus here is, is claiming to to come in into our lives to... Give us a burden that is is easy. easy. Give us a uh, you know to to be in our yoke to so that we can learn from him, so that we can be with him, so that he can make us stronger, make us into stronger and, and better um, oxen or bullocks. But you know, as the yeah. what the um, the illustration is implying is that you know stronger disciples of him. Um, but he yeah. will always be there. You know, he's he alongside helps us with our burden, alongside us. Now this um. This kind of flies in the face of a lot of opinions that people have about Christianity and even the opinions of of Christianity and, and religion and, and the, how the metaphor of the yoke was used at the time in Judaism. Um, so we're going to read a couple verses um, from the New Testament writers. Where they are kind of referencing this idea of the yoke in relationship to religion and specifically Judaism, and how you know it affected the Christian church. So let's go to Acts chapter fifteen. We're going to, go to Acts chapter fifteen and, and our key verse is verse ten. I'm just reading. I'm just wondering if we need to read um, any verses before that to give it some context. Maybe not. What are your thoughts, Darren? Just, well, I'll just start at verse 9. nine so, verse 9,
1: nice. So he made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We are believe we, we are all saved the same way. By the undeserved grace of Lord Jesus.
0: Oh, this is really cool. Powerful. Here. So, a bit of context, but this, this is during the midst of the Jerusalem Council. Essentially, they're answering the question here. You know, the the gospel's gone out to the Gentiles via Peter, and now Paul, um, and they're answering the question: How Jewish does a Christian does a Gentile need to be, to be to get saved? To believe in the Jewish yeah. Messiah, essentially. Yeah. You know, and and out of this Christianity would form. Out of this council specifically, they would. This would define them. Um, and the argument that's being made here, I believe it's by Peter. Yeah, Peter is saying, he's like, guys, like, why are we going to throw this yoke of, you know, keeping the law and keeping, all that? Keeping, you know, the law, but specifically of Judaism, you know, the, the promise of circumcision, oh, yep, um, the yep. ceremonial laws. That set
1: them apart, made them special. Yeah,
0: this thing that was very culturally. Jewish, you know, the the question that Peter is asking is, why are we called by God to win the whole world... And then circumcise them. And then (laughs) circumcise them, you know. We're winning them to a a religion that transcends, you know, to a saviour and a faith that transcends culture... Yet we are essentially being racists and we're being, you know, assimilationists mm, mm. by trying to make them confined to our culture to be able to worship the God of the universe.
1: We want them to look like us
0: so that yeah. the, so they're not saved till they look like us. They're not saved until <laughs> they look like the us. And, 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 it's, it, it, and, and Peter is speaking directly against this. Obviously, Peter isn't here being theologically liberal. Mm. He's not saying, oh, you know, one, like let's this, throw the law out. Completely. Let's throw the law out completely. Oh, they don't have to do anything. They can just claim the name of Christ once, and they're it. no. That is no. not what Peter is doing. You know, as particularly the context of Christianity at this time meant, you know, a confession of Christianity was a life that meant immediate persecution. Definitely, and and and, and along with that, needed you needed to be committed to this faith. So there were burdens that you would need to take on. Hundred percent. Yep. And uh, the burdens that people bear, even to this day. Yeah. But he's making the point that hey, we need, we know, we have no need to throw the burden of culture on these people too. Yeah. Um. And, and this kind of again, we're co- we're coming to the end of our lesson here. And if I can make application out of this, oh, just before I leave, let's read another verse. Um, Galatians five. Galatians one. five one. Let's let's read that too because I th- I feel like this focuses in on the same idea of maybe the burden that faith can create when. Tied with culture. Let's read that. So here we go. Galatians five one. So Christ has truly set us free.
1: Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again
0: in slavery to the law. Mm, it's in slavery to the law, as your Bible says, um, as I had it here, it says, do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery? Yep. So, essentially, like, uh, it, it, it's interesting that your Bible says slavery of the law, because that is not what my Bible is saying at all. <laughs> this it's,
1: is a new living the translation. New living
0: translation. Yeah, that's our that's our theologically unsound translation. <laughs> so you gave me that. gave this <laughs> <came laughs> to read. That's, Lawson, that's, come that's on. the story Bible. That's the story Bible. Um, no, Lyle does this to me all the time. But essentially, the idea here is that our faith in Christ is something that is supposed to be freeing. Yeah, the experience is freeing. It's. It's this experience of liberty, and it's liberty from sin, yeah. which is by far like the biggest burden that we have in this when world. When it comes
1: to the law, it, the law never saves us, but the law definitely is not a done away. But you still keep the law, mm. but you keep the law
0: because you are saved, not to he, be saved. Yes, because <laughs> you are saved, because this frees you from the burden of sin. That's right. Um, and it's interesting that so many people in their Christian experience. Um, and so many people, when I became a Christian kind of said to me who weren't Christians, I was like, Oh, you know, if you become a Christian, it's going to make your life more difficult. You know, it's going to make you less successful, all these different things. And it's like, but you read this cl- promise and this claim and definitely the experience I've had is, is freedom. Freedom. This is the yoke that Jesus is offering a burden that is uh, easy and light, easy and light, something, a, a yoke of freedom. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, Now it is time for... Question of the Day. Now our question of the day comes from a listener and it's essentially this. Is Protestant and SDA or Seventh-day Adventist um, the same? Now... You know, it is no secret that Faith FM is funded um, by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I am a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Uh, Lyle is also a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. We get all different kinds of people on the show who we talk to. But, yeah, we are we are Seventh-day Adventists. And this is a pretty valid question. I think that, unfortunately, not a lot of people know about, oh, what's, what's the deal with Adventists? Where do they stand in terms of their faith? Um, yes, and the simple answer is, is Protestant and SCA the same? Um, like, Yes, we are a Protestant church, but I would like to explain just a little bit of, you know, our history, why we exist in, and where we kind of exist in that space. Um, And I have to take you to the principle of progressive revelation. Now, this is a doctrine within Christianity um, that essentially dictates or says that uh, as we read through the Bible, um, the revelation of God and his character becomes more full. So, the later uh, biblical... You know, works. You know, from you've got the the first five books of the Bible written by Moses and the 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 books in the Old Testament and the prophecies and whatnot. Um, and then you come all the way down, you know, through the New Testament to Revelation. Essentially, the idea is that the later prophets had a fuller revelation than the earlier prophets, which essentially makes sense. They have a bigger scope. They have a bigger picture of of what's going on in in the world. They, you know, God hasn't revealed everything at once clearly. Um, and As we've moved through time, we've gotten uh, the prophets within the Bible have gotten a fuller revelation of truth. Now, this is something that we have also noted in the Christian Church um, and within Protestantism happened after the Dark Ages. Not in the sense of you know uh, having a fuller revelation of truth in terms of you know literal prophets being there. in terms of uh, you know new writers of the Bible, but as they come out of the dark ages, which was a real reset for Christianity, and as Protestant faith um, rose up, which really be- began with Anglicanism, but then you had like lutherism and and Baptists and Methodists come along after that, all of these new denominations that were coming out of Protestantism were bringing new sections of truth that were being re enlightened after they had been lost. During the Dark Ages. Now, you know, on that timeline of, you know, uh, beginning with uh, Anglican, and then you've got like Luther and Lutherism, and then you've got uh, the Anabaptists. They they put a high value on, you know, baptism by immersion. You've got the Methodists who are all about, you know, overcoming sin and whatnot. You then come down to the 1800s, and there's this guy named William Miller. Um, he was in the United States. He was a serviceman, um, served in the army during uh, the War of 1812, and the Battle of Plattsburgh, these kinds of things. He he was a religious man. He decided to um, confine himself for two years and to just study the Bible. He was a farmer, but he was like, look, I've got this passion for the Word of God, and I want to study it. And that's what he did. And he ultimately um, came up with, you know, he... he, he saw and realized as he was reading the Bible that essentially Jesus is coming back soon. Not only is Jesus coming back soon, but his judgment of the world is starting soon in, in in basically his future lifetime. And, you know, I don't really have the time to get into a full Bible study there, but essentially he came to the conclusion that Jesus is coming back soon and this is something that the Protestant faith needs to focus on. He himself was a Baptist, but he saw this truth within the Bible that, oh man, Jesus is coming back soon. From there, Millerism rose, and out of Millerism came the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So put simply, yes, Seventh-day Adventism is a Protestant faith, um, and we align with that very much.
1: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.